Hello and welcome to the first 2021 episode of the Author Archives podcast. On part one of this episode, first time guest Luke Jaycock joins me in comparing our lists of top five favourite movies of 2020. We also discuss how cinemas have been affected this year due to lockdown, honourable mentions of films that didn't quite make the list and things to look out for in 2021. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Thanks for joining the podcast. Um, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, yeah. Can't believe it's 2021 already. Uh, yep. But uh, 2020 has, has passed us by uh, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into hopefully a better year for, for us all. Fingers crossed. And hopefully that cinemas become more of a thing this year than, than last year. Um, so today we're going to talk about and compare our top five films of 2020. Um, I know normally this is a thing where we meet up over Christmas and compare lists and discuss, disagree, agree, argue over what we've what we we've seen throughout the year. So I thought it'd be a good platform to to do it this way this year, given the circumstances. Um, but before we do that, I just want to kind of talk through the year with you. Uh, I know normally we keep a track of each of us keep a track of what we've seen throughout the year. Um, how has this year, given the situation that's, you know, cinemas have been closed for the majority of this year, have you still managed to see the same sort of amount of films you've done sort of the previous years, or has it been a lot less than, than before? Uh, I think it certainly is uh, a bit less. I think there's obviously the, just the variety and sheer number of films becoming available because of how much got pushed back in the release schedule um, has probably resulted in, in less than usual. I think I had a record year for cinema last year. I think it was, mm. you know, in the high 50s, 60s sort of uh, trips to see the cinema. All things considered with this year, 37 trips to the cinema wow. uh, for films, which wow. I think is pretty, which is pretty, I thought it was pretty impressive actually when I tallied it up. Um, obviously, hitting the ground running in January, obviously you're coming into award season. So the pace was pretty high at that point to, to keep up with award season. And we were going at a fair lick going into mm. March, uh, which is, you know, the fair bulk of what happened. And then we lost six months with the bit here or there, you know, the uh, everybody's customary trip for Tenet in August. And then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. and then luckily for obviously I live in London having the ability to get a number of tickets for the BFI Film Festival oh, yes. in, in October. So we were lucky to get uh, six screenings, I think, for, for BFI. And that really helped in October. I think I had a record month. I think I had 12 cinema trips in wow. October. Um, and then obviously we lost the end of the year to, yeah. to the... Uh, to the regulations but uh so i think i've had a good year you know 
the stuff I've seen in the cinema has been generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I've looked at it as a whole before the in preparation for today for us chat. Um, you know, can, the, one of the hardest things was actually considering what is maybe the worst film I've seen this year. Invariably at the cinema, I'm not really seeing poor stuff. Okay. You know, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to go and see something that I know is going to be terrible. Yeah. You know, okay. I, I've still yet to see Cats. Um, you know, <laughs> was so that this year? Not that... Is Cats this year? Well, well I think, you or know, just in it, general? Was the, it was the end okay. of last year, wasn't it? Right, it was the end right. of last year, I, just yeah. before award season kicked in. And, you know, I don't really feel like, uh, you know, I'm already coming to terms with now that maybe my headspace might be okay to attempt cats. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to see how that plays yeah. out in the coming days and weeks, uh, whether or not I'm, I'm brave enough to try that. So, yeah, picking up picking a, a worse film of the year has been, it's probably harder than picking the uh, the better ones. I'm going to ask now, what is worst your worst film of the year? Yeah. Uh, well, a worst or least favourite then of, of, yeah least favourite of the 2020 films and it feels really harsh and I I, I, I don't really want to I certainly want to, don't want to take a swipe at this film because I you know, actually did enjoy it uh, it just was on the lower end of the scale and for me it was a toss up of two okay. um, am I going to cry? Was, no 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 it was between um, Bombshell okay um the you know Margot Robbie, Charlize Theron, yep. Fox News, uh, extravaganza at the start of the year, which was a little underwhelming, yeah. I thought. Yeah. It's, it's um, okay, yeah. And the other one, which unfortunately has taken the prize, um, was uh, Birds of Prey. Oh yeah, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I think it was too late. I wasn't a fan of Suicide Squad anyway, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, a lot of the buzz around it was that it was just more not more of the same but not enough to sort of counter what suicide squad lacked i think um so okay it, that's it, interesting it, yeah it was you know don't get me wrong it's not a bad movie and mm. you know it's a, if it's on sky cinema or you know sunny or something you can stream it for free mm. have at it it's not gonna it's not gonna be the worst you know two hours you spend your life in any way shape or form yeah but i think that it falls into a lot of the similar tropes that, as you mentioned, Suicide Squad, where Suicide Squad failed, was that it's too many people being introduced to you that you're just having to accept who they are with 90 seconds of backstory. And you're supposed to buy into liking them and and believing in them and wanting to, to back them up. You kind of don't need that with Harley Quinn because you've had two movies yeah. now to, to try and get used to that character, so that's fine. But the other five, it's like, you just can't buy into it. No. Which is, no. you know, why some of these things need to be a lot slower. Uh, and, and this is what makes me cautious for um, the Suicide Squad reboot Yeah, that's coming out later this year from James Gunn. Yeah, I did see that that, that was being reboot, rebooted. Um I don't know much about it. I don't know how much has been announced and who's playing who. Is it is it Margot Robbie again? Because she seems to be uh, she, synonymous she with it now. Yeah, she retains, and I think Joy Courtney retains his character from Suicide Squad. Right. Other than that, I think there's pretty much very little crossover with the other two. Okay. I think you know they've they've moved certain characters out of the way, and you know. Uh, there's a whole bunch of variety. There's, you know, the the cast is incredible. 
Mm. That they've, that they've yeah. brought together, you know, you've got Peter Capaldi in there. I think you've got John <laughs> Cena in there. You've got a whole. If you can say, if you've got Peter Capaldi and John Cena in the yeah, same film, that's then enough. You, I'm there. You've got, you've got a movie. You've got a movie. Yeah. Certainly, certainly, you've started to watch uh, to see. But uh, I'm glad. I'm glad it is actually because the the reason I saw Suicide Squad, I'm not. I can't say I'm a diehard of you know the comics or the yeah the comics around that niche of DC. Um, but the idea of a anti-hero group um, was appealing. So I'm glad that that's kind of been looked at again um, and see how that goes, I guess. Um, yeah. 38 trips to the cinema, or 37, did you say, is pretty good. 30, yeah, 37 films at the cinema in 2020 uh, with a with a record month of 12 in October, which was that is good. Know, pretty I think awesome. I only <laughs> managed 10, I think. I think I managed 10, yeah. and two of those were... Rerun, well, not not released this year. So Inception, oh, wow. and and I was desperate to see a film, and I saw Flash Gordon, <laughs> and I walked out. I thought it was shite. <laughs> I was that your fan. first viewing? Was yeah, first, first time viewing? I'd seen it, and um, yeah, I wasn't a fan. Um, it's just had a is it was it fortieth anniversary? Is that what it was? The screening of that that new yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was an anniversary one. That seemed to be if you remember it back now when cinemas opened. Obviously, there wasn't a fresh new film. There were some. I think Tenet was obviously the big one that you mentioned um, a moment ago. But a lot of it was um, because, you know, there wasn't ha films to hand to just go, you know, watch this. It was getting, which I kind of liked that they had brought back some old classics to watch on a big screen. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I saw Inception first time round, but they they did. Um, the other one I um, quickly talk about was Akira. They, that was an anniversary. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't an anniversary. It was a, they re-released the 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, and in in uh, in yeah, running the same time as that, um, they showed that at the cinema as well. Saw that on IMAX, uh, which was great. Uh, but yeah, yeah, thirty-seven, impressive. Um, right. So let's get on to what we're here for. I'm really excited about this because. I think, if, if, is it fair to say generally we're on the same wavelength and I'd say 80% of the time we're on the same sort of idea of our top film. So it'd be interesting to see like, um, if we have the same top, top five or, you know, a, a few of them or the order is slightly different. So, um, right, let's go into it then. And I'll start with my number five. So my number five was the last film I saw at the cinema before lockdown one kicked in. Uh, and I'm glad I saw it just before then was uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So, nice. um, yeah, I think out of the, the top five I've got, this is the best looking film, I think. Um, it's absolutely beautifully shot um and i'm glad again that i saw it at the cinema i don't think watching it at home would have given it justice um i'll come on when we as we talk through my other films as well i'll talk about you know watching them at home or at the cinema and how that affects it mm -hmm. um but yeah i think this one is made for cinema um i've yet to watch it again i do plan on getting the blu-ray because i think it is one to own um and there's quite a lot to <laughs> I can see, yeah, got the Blu-ray. Nice. Yeah, I need to get mine so onto the... For the uh, audio listeners, I'm yeah. showing him the 
which I watched this afternoon prior to this. Nice. Uh, so that was the second view portrait for me. Nice. So yeah, I need to, I need to get a second view in because there's a lot to read into it, um, which I think the first viewing, uh, it's all in the subtleties. I think this film, there's a lot about what they don't say and it's, it's, um, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, what they don't say and how the, the acting in it is fantastic. Um, I think as well, I won't spoil it for people who, who are listening that haven't seen it, but I think the ending out of the list I'm looking through, actually, no, there's a quite a lot of good endings in the, in my top five, but this is a fantastic ending um, and how you read into it and how it relates to what's mentioned earlier in the film. And I think there's mention of, if I'm trying to think back now, so forgive me because I haven't watched it as recently as you, but I'm sure there's mention of Greek mythology and, and how that uh, yes. leads into the finale of the film, basically, and how, yeah, it references that. And, and Greek mythology is the thing, is, is right up my street, Ed, as a nerdy side note. Um, but I think, yeah, it's a very subtle story. There's not many uh, characters in it, but I, it doesn't need to be. It's all focused on these main two central characters and their love story, which, you know, I'm fully there the whole journey. Um, and yeah, it was actually one of those films where you you know when the credits roll you, you, that's when for me anyway i was taken out of the immersion of it in that i was you know as in in a, in a good way um that i was fully on board and then kind of forgot it was a film if that makes sense i was so into the film and the story that i was um when it ended i was yeah really took back and sort of sat there in in awe of it so um i guess even that as my number five i think goes to show what a great year i i think personally it, it's been you know covid aside um it's still been a great year for cinema and the fact this is only number five and i'm talking about it like this i think just as a good precedent for everything else um did you manage to see this this year i'm guessing you did yes yeah so i've seen it twice now so I, I caught it at the cinema as well when it when it had its release uh i think it was end of february early march i think it was if i remember yeah. correctly yeah um and was yeah blown away by it in the cinema uh it actually made it to number four in my list oh nice uh, of the year uh and i literally had a the the rewatch of it this afternoon uh prior to uh prior to the recording of this mm. uh, of this conversation uh after a after a brief viewing of host as well so it was the perfect palate cleanser to come <laughs> away from most to something a bit more uh, artistic shall we say but uh yes i mean I, I i very much enjoyed it i think it's uh it's a it's a beautiful piece of work cinematography is incredible uh it almost feels very painting like yeah. as it's coming through some of the some of the iconography and some of the imagery that you're seeing on the screen uh sort of echo again the ending if, if we're not going to sort of cover it from a spoiler perspective for those of you who maybe haven't got around to watching it yet the, the ending is is a wonderful is wonderfully handled yeah. um, and it the, the sort of the final part of the ending because it ending kind of comes in maybe two parts yeah, yeah. uh that that the final the final shot is is absolutely brilliant and wonderful and two great performances um that you know really was definitely a standout throughout the year like as soon as as soon as you saw it you thought 
because uh, I think it was, I think it was picked up by last year's award season, wasn't it? I it was, it was, yeah. I think it's uh, it genuinely triggered as a 2019 crossover. release, but UK-wise, yeah, yeah it, it came over here this year, so yeah. 2020. Did you notice as well who was playing the mother? No, I can't think back now. And I don't, to be, to be honest, yeah, who is it then? Because I, I don't remember uh, it sticking it's, out. It's the, it's, the, uh, it's the main woman from the Hot Shots movies. No, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go watch that back. Now I have to have, go and look at that now. Yeah. Um, there was, there was, I remember seeing it at the cinema and going, I've seen that face before. <laughs> Where have I seen you? Where have I seen you before? I was like, oh shit, it's Hot Shots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to see that film the same way now. No, am I? exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's great. But uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone hasn't watched Port Driven Lady on Fire, then uh, definitely recommend getting yeah. it watched. Yep, so that's my number five. So, uh, yeah, what's your, what have you got down as your number five? My number five. So, my number five kind of goes against, uh, I'd say my one to four are of a certain caliber. And then number five is kind of like my wild card. The one to four were the easiest films to choose which four to choose from. Right. And then it was a case of the struggle was which order to put them in. Right, yeah. And then it was coming up with the fifth. And, uh, you know, I started to, you know, as, as we've discussed prior to this, you know, I came up with a bit of a long list of other things for consideration that didn't quite end up making the, that fifth spot. Uh, things such as uh, Queen and Slim, uh, Calm with Horses, Rocks uh, and Mank, which I know that from what I've heard and what I've seen, didn't uh, uh didn't tickle you in any way particular way but Not at uh, all. <laughs> uh we can we can get into a separate mank conversation at oh, a later yeah. date yeah because my number five is probably one of the most needed films that happened this year um and that was eurovision song contest <laughs> the story of fire saga and i can't tell you how much as a society we needed this film at the point in which it was was given to us so I think it came out in around about June. Yeah. Um, so we're talking, what, three plus months into pretty much an isolated mm. existence. Yeah. Um, you know, cinema is, is a fading distant memory. Um, you know, we're caning through the back catalogue of Blu-rays <laughs> to get through by that point, which is great. And obviously the film studios at that point were pretty reluctant to push anything new to digital because they weren't sure what the hell was going to happen with regards to opening cinemas again and then they didn't want to sort of cannibalize that feed of uh, uh, of content when it was ready to open again obviously netflix don't have that worry or concern to worry about and it was just the most uplifting funny film that we needed just to completely palette cleanse all of the uh, craziness that was going on outside the world i think it's great i think that i think it's got lots of jokes i think the songs are great i think that it tiptoes that line of not making fun of the eurovision song contest right and belittling it which i think would be a mistake i think if it came out and or if it, certainly in my opinion it, if it came across as it was laughing at the eurovision song contest then I don't think it would have worked. I think it'd be a bit um, too easy to do that as well. It's, e it's yeah, easier to just, it's, just poke yeah. fun rather than kind of 
I, I haven't seen it, so I can't talk too much yeah. about it. But from what you're saying, it sounds like it's more of a... Uh, yeah, it's not poking fun. It's more of a appreciation of what it is, I guess. Yeah, and it, you, it needs to come up, bring you along for the journey, right? It's not necessarily, you know, it's not let's all laugh at Eurovision. It absolutely is. It loves Eurovision for what it is, but it it has to be self-aware that Eurovision it, <laughs> as a premise and how yeah. it works is a pretty absurd uh, subject matter anyway. Yeah. So the jokes are fairly obviously there. Um, and, you know, that's pretty, and they, I think they do it really well. I think the songs are great. I think the performances are great. Um, I, I've seen it three times this year now, <laughs> and I've laughed every single time. Good. I think the songs are great. You know, they really stick in your, in your head. And I just, it got the fifth slot because it was the film I needed at that point to make us laugh again, to yeah. kind of, uh, to know that they, you know, there were, were better things around. So that's why it got my vote for, for number five. Nice. I like that. I haven't, uh, it's on my list. Um, and I, I'll be honest, it got lost in the shuffle. I think it's been on the watch list probably since it got added on. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, I think it's that classic thing of the end of the year, scrambling to watch everything that came out in 2020. And, and unfortunately that one that one and Queen and Slim were both ones that I hadn't got around to doing but but still planned to I think just quickly from from my side is the film for me that did exactly what you've said is was Bill and Ted uh, uh, so I, I missed that that was again that was one okay. that I think it had a cinema release just did, before yeah. or just maybe after lockdown or just before it was around that window wasn't it it was around uh, I, I reckon it, yeah, it was around ten at time. It was around ten at time. So yeah, just after I think when they reopened again, yeah. I think Tenet came out, and then Bill and Ted maybe the week, two weeks after that. Right. Um, but yeah, just just quickly for me, that was the film because I mean, Bill and Ted, especially the first one, has just been yeah. the childhood film that is untouchable in my eyes. Um, and so you know, it is what it is, and it sh probably should have been made. But again. Is, as you were talking about Eurovision, it was sounding like what I would be saying about Bill and Ted. And, mm. um, it is ridiculous. And again, it is self-aware of what it is. It knows that they're older and, you know, and they're playing these older characters, um, a bit dated, but it was just a good bit of good fun um, that I managed. I was lucky to see it at the cinema. Um, and yeah, yeah. So no, good, good, um, good personal shout for, um, for number five. Um, so I think we will probably talk about the same film on this one as well. Um, so my number four is Uncut Gems, um, okay. which I believe you saw at the cinema, but because you yeah. are luckily live in London, <laughs> have that ability to do that. Whereas where I am, there isn't so much of an independent uh, cinema <laughs> availability. So I did watch this at home on Netflix. So guess what I was just saying about Portrait and Laid on Fire I think um, I would have liked to have seen Uncut Gems at the cinema I wouldn't say and this isn't a dig at the film I don't think it's as cinematic maybe as Portrait of a Lady on Fire it's very but that's not I don't think that's his intention I think it's more about the feeling of the film and I think I, one, on. thing, one thing I would one thing I would jump in on that though is <clears throat> 
and I guess part of this can be remedied depending on the setup that you've got at home. But the score is really important for mm. Uncut Gems. It's really important. And, you know, from the very early scenes, as you kind of come through the score and what it, and that vibe it gives the film, of almost like a daydreamy kind of psychedelic haze that mm. kind of comes over you. You need the score for that. 100%. And if you're watching it at home, you know, if you've got a good surround sound system, you know, crank that shit up because you need to listen to it loud and you need to really be absorbed into it because it kind of doesn't really go away, the score. No. It, it kind of just keeps pummeling at you throughout the whole film. And that's what I was um, I was going to say about it. Was, this is more about the feeling that it gives you. It's It doesn't let you relax it's just uncomfortable and it's it's his intention because so many times throughout this film i was like why are you doing that like adam Saar, like firstly let's just go talk about him quickly again i don't know why he doesn't do more films like this because he can do really well i mean the other one the other film that i i'm sure you've probably seen is punch truck love where mm-hmm. he you know it's a it's taken him away from these comedic roles that he is known for. Um, but again, it, it, when people say about, you know, it's not a good actor, I would point them in the direction of Punch, Punch Struggle Up and now this yeah. and say, no, he, you know, it reminds me of, you know, when Robin Williams started to do serious films and Jim Carrey started to do serious films. It's that, you know, comedic side, but actually they've got this really solid acting background as well that, probably isn't is isn't on show as much as their comedic stuff um it's the it's the vulnerability it's the vulnerability of you know having to do what they do on a stage is probably one of the most vulnerable things that a human being could ever do exactly um and i think it works as well because exactly and seeing that other side of that character that actor if, if that makes sense so you're bombarded by those, uh, those three example, those three actors I've just said that you're you're constantly seeing them in a comedic, funny light, when actually you you know that perhaps that there is a, especially you know, sadly for with Robin Williams, there's this other darker side to him. So the film's like one hour photo with Robin Williams, you know, a, a film for me that stands out as one of his best, um, and you know it's not, it's not, and go back to Adam Sarno, I guess here is like this is. I would probably say, I probably need to think about it, but no, I probably would say that this is his best film. I would need to watch Punch Up, Drunk Love again. I had bought that recently, no. but I haven't got around to watching it. No, but Uncut Gems is, you know, his standout work and, you know, it, it was criminally overlooked at yeah. the Oscars. I yeah, think, you I know, forget about I that. It's, you know, that's, it, was a, it was a crying shame and if... Uh, anyone gets a chance to, I would highly recommend uh, watching uh, his acceptance speech from <laughs> the, I think it's the Independent Spirit Awards or something like that. Yeah, uh, it was the less, one of the lesser known ones, but yeah, that is yeah. And fantastic. So he, he was excellent in that as well, which is basically giving a two fingers up to the Oscars. Um, and uh, also the, the Safdie brothers. I mean, let's, you know, Let's bring them into the conversation as well here. Yeah. With this film in particular, I think it was always, from my understanding, it was always written with Sandler in mind. Yeah, and they why. budgeted and badgered him to, to, to take this role and to finally get around to doing it. And it's 
they've done it in such a way that I don't think anybody you can't I can't imagine anybody else playing this role it is literally you know the perfect casting and from two directors who you know really are you know the ones to look out for in the future oh, and they're going to be 100%. You know, Good Times is absolutely fantastic, yep. you know, um, and, you know, to follow it up with this, you know, whatever they're doing next, I'm there. Exactly. I don't even need to see a trailer or a synopsis or nothing. No, exactly right. Um, I'm, I'm exactly the exact same with what you just said. Um, this was the, I'd seen this before Good Time. Um, yeah. And as soon as I'd watched it, I was like, what have they done before? And like you said, it was like, you know, this is pretty much, I think they did a smaller film or low budget film to kind mm -hmm. of, you know, get them started. Um, but, you know, this is, even then, if this is their, his, if Uncut Gems is their third film, that just is ridiculous in the sense of the quality they've got, you know, on their third go. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, on the back of this, went and looked on Netflix and went, oh, do you want to watch Good Time as well? And yeah, watch that. And it's, I, I don't know if you'd agree with this, it's a very similar tone to it it doesn't have good time doesn't have the same level of uncomfortableness as uncut no. gems but it has that same uh, gritty realism vibe yeah. i think yeah there is a vibe there's a there's a there's a particular safety feel i guess yes. we'll, we'll end up yeah. we'll end up calling this in the same way that you could probably pick out without any sort of sound or anything like you could probably pick out a Scorsese film or a Tarantino yeah. film just from a particular aesthetic. way that's aesthetic to how things are coming across on screen. I think, you know, and, you know, what we two, three films in, that's going to develop over time that I think there will be a particular safety style, shall we yeah. say? To the point where they'll become their own auteurs like the Coen mm. brothers, I think. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think when this came out, this was the film on, you know, this was before lockdown from what I, yeah, it was before lockdown. And it was a film that I would kept saying, people need to watch it. And it, I remember, I don't know if, you, uh, if you'd recommend it to other people, but this seemed to be a bit of a Marmite film to some, where it was the level of uncomfortable uh, for them was too much that they took him out of the film. But for me, it, it was what fully immersed me in the film. It was like, I could feel the anxiety of his character myself. So I kind of felt again, that I was in the film and like, and I, I was getting worked up by, you know, a piece of fiction, um, which I think any film that can do that or any, or make you give sort of, uh, any feeling to a film works for me. Um, if it can do that through images, then I think that's, that's my masterpiece in my book. So, yeah. I mean, it's not the it's not the easiest character. I mean, it's not the easiest character to love, and no. yet by the end of the by the end of the film, I think for the vast majority of people, that's achieved. Yeah. And you know, when that third act sort of kicks off, and you're like, okay, this is this is where we, you know we're going, and you can see the ball start to roll. You know, about how this is going to you know well play out to a certain point, and then obviously, if we're not talking spoilers here, mm. it, yeah. Yeah. it concludes in the way it concludes, which yeah. you know really is one of the i think the cinematic moments of the year because you literally go from yeah. to, oh shit yeah kind of almost at the drop of a hat kind of scenario they don't give you time to potentially have a come down it's no nope. nope, we're, we're swiping your legs from underneath you 
at the moment of euphoria kind of definitely so definitely yep all spot on i'd I'd agree with that um right yep so that was my number four i believe we that that was that was that was number two for me ah right okay so we're that's two two for not two for two but yeah two of mine that you've also got as well so so that was my number four i believe we've had your number four which was portrait of a lady of fire is that right correct yeah okay that leaves me with three okay so i'll do my i'll bat it back to me and do my number three all right and then we'll do uh your number three so my number three is uh to be honest my top three my my number one was the same the whole year um the top two the other two did fluctuate because I saw one more recently than the other. Um, but my number three, and I know we've debated about this, um, is American Utopia. So, I, yes. So I know you said this isn't a film. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I have, so I, I, you know, when I got rumblings that this could be in contention, I have now seen American Utopia. Okay. I went. I went through and I've watched all of the films that you kind of mentioned that might be in consideration. Uh-huh. So I've seen Possessor. I've seen Host. I've seen now American Utopia. And I, I, I want to let you okay, have yeah, your moment, have your moment with this film, and, and then, then you're gonna cut my legs, and then and then I'll, and then, and then I'll safety you from from behind. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so that's gonna be a thing now. Do a safety. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I absolutely loved it. Um, I can't say before this I was a huge Talking Heads fan, a, more of a casual Talking Heads fan. Um, as it was coming to, like I said, this was a very recent watch, so I think that may have tinged, not tinged, but is is put it where it is now. I think if you know, bearing in mind some of these earlier films, like already Uncut Gems and Portrait, are, were a lot earlier in the year, um, and this this is fresh off the bat for me. Um, uh, it was just I hadn't seen anything like it. Um, I hadn't can't say as well that I've seen many concert films. Um, I then went and watched Stop Making Sense, which is their earlier, probably most well-known concert film, which is just I'd say more intense than this is. And comparing that to this, this is a much more. And now you've seen it, I'm I'm glad that you have. We can kind of, I guess, see where I'm coming from on, on it and mm-hmm. I'm not just talking nonsense um <laughs> but I like the idea of just this strip backstage um no wires no amps um it was just them it was a it's not just a gig it's a before it's a full-on performance you know it's um dance spoken word um there is a mix of songs of talking head songs and other songs from other people um I thought it was there was a there is a there's a political side or messages in it but for me it never felt too uh preachy or too in your face i am not a big fan of when musicians sort of get on the political bandwagon but for me here it didn't get too much you know in your face and i think david byrne you know is a is quite a character in this as well i don't i didn't know much about him or you know seen interviews with him before this um and this for me is now I, i've not stopped listening to that album since i watched it a couple of weeks ago now and you know it's got me back into talking heads and listening to their back catalog of stuff um and like i said i watched the other the live film that they've done um i just thought it was 
I think as well to what you said on uh, Eurovision, um, it's quite, and I, I said this in, in um, before as well about, you know, one of the things that has been taken away this year is other than cinemas as well as cinemas is, is live music. And it's something I do, I know we do uh, quite a lot. And I've really missed that this year. And I think it's filmed in a way, well, I certainly got into it enough to feel like I was there as silly as that sounds. Um, I felt like I was at a gig and um, it was quite immersed in that feeling of, or close enough that you could get to being at a gig. And I think, especially how it ends, it's very upbeat and, you know, it's, it was quite the fist pump in the air of 2020 being what it was. Um, it ended on such a positive vibe that I think that's what really boosted it up for me in the rankings. Um, considering a lot of the other stuff is a bit bleaker than, than this. I thought this was um, really unique, really stand out. Um, and is, is, you know, inspired me to kind of look at other concert films um, similar to it. I don't know if there is uh, out, I wouldn't say it's out there, but it's as unique as this is. Um, I think it stands out for that reason. So it might be, this is kind of peak of that uniqueness, I guess, maybe. But um, it is, it's intrigued me to see what else is out there. And and like I said, just kind of checking out the, the band a bit further. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why I put it as number three. It was kind of something different that stood out for me this year at least so now now you've seen it um hit me look it's an um uh, so obviously it's based on uh david byrne did the album american utopia 2018 mm -hmm. uh which was then from what i read taken out on a sort of world tour and it has a more traditional um sort of concert production and then uh, it was then brought to this premise that is what was filmed basically for 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 the cinema yep. this broad broadway production of of that gig of that album i guess it you know, depends yep. on how you kind of want to look at it really and it is a fantastic production like the way that they've done it, the way that the band uses the stage, um, the way that they aren't reliant on the traditional sort of mechanism and setup of a band on stage, yeah. the way that he kind of narrates the in between the songs and how he brings in some context and bits and pieces was really entertaining i really really enjoyed it you know obviously talking heads is talking heads so the, the music's great uh sort of anyway so you got that crutch to fall back on so that's fine i'm waiting for the part yeah yeah uh. but here it is it's not a film <laughs> and, and that's where i can't get on board with it because it is a recording of a broadway stage show and the same reason why I won't put a Hamilton in my list for this year, even though it is one of the best things that I have seen that was released this year. Mm. You know, I've been lucky to see Hamilton in the theatre in London. You know, I've watched it now three times on Disney Plus wow. uh, as part of the thing. And it is fantastic every time. But it's not a film. It's a, it's a, it's a means of viewing something that isn't... It's not that... Uh, I think if American Utopia 
had been filmed exclusively for the cinema. And I'm thinking more on the lines of what Nick Cave has done with his Nick Cave alone in Ali Pali. Yeah, Idiot Prayer, uh, yeah. It, yeah, what he's done with that, that's the only way to see that. That's, uh, that's the only mechanism for seeing that. There are you know, thousands of people that have seen that on the stage, American Utopia, on the stage on Broadway. And for me, it's just, a, it's, you, if, if you're going to count that, I think you could, you're opening the door for opening up for those National Theatre Live things that get shown in the cinema being included in bits and pieces of the film. I think Hamilton should, you know, then get under consideration. So no, for I, that. I, I, I would I disagree think, with that. I don't think it is. I disagree with that because the, I haven't seen those live shows, but that is, I don't imagine that's edited the way American Utopia is. And it's not filmed like that. That this is, you know, this is, has Spike Lee helming this, um, and and in in Stop Making Sense has Jonathan Demi helming this. You know, directors of film that are essentially running the show, or at least you know the production side of it. Um, that I think, if you're comparing it to you know the, the those live uh, films that they also show at the cinema, I it's not. You know, that's very much those live ones are what two, three camera shots. This is, you know, really encompassing all the whole stage and almost to a point where sometimes you don't even see the crowd at all, that you kind of feel like you're on stage. And I don't imagine it's filming one Broadway show. I rec- I had no, I mean, the if, feeling if, if it was edited. Yeah, if you pay close attention, you can notice that the people on the front row of the show in American Utopia keep changing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah changing. exactly. So I, you yeah. know, I, I, I see your point. I see your point that, it, you know, I don't see it as it's not a filming of one show and that's it. That that would make it the point where it's not a film. This has a bit more around it. Um, like, you know, the, even the ending as well, where, they, you know, this behind the scenes stuff. It's not just the curtains go down and that's it. There's a bit more to it. Um, I agree them, it's a bit on the fence. That's riding a bike. <laughs> And cuddling, you didn't <laughs> mention the cuddles oh, the cuddle, backstage. Sorry, yeah, cuddle, uh, you yeah, didn't you see, did. you know, that, that's so, know, so hold on. From, so that's what makes it a film. Know. The fact that you see him cuddle, that's why it makes a film. Right, okay. Because <laughs> it has credits at the end, it's a film. It yeah, makes, that's it. Know, yeah, that's it. No curtain. <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I see your point. Um, I think it is a film. I think it does blur the line of what it, whether it's a film or a live show, but I wouldn't put it in a TV category. I would, you know, if I had to put it in between the two, it would it would lean more towards a film, you know, based on the runtime um, as well. I think I, I wanted to put this in here as something that for me has stood out as a piece of work that I thought was really unique, really different, really upbeat and, and put me onto, you know, a different aspect of film quote marks <laughs> um, that I hadn't really seen before. So yeah, so that's, that's, that's why I've thrown it in, I think as, at number three. Uh, you know, um, you seem I'm, really upset, mate. I'm, I'm all, no, 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 you know, it's your, it's your list. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. what, you put <laughs> what are you liking for all I care? I mean, you're, you're wrong. It's not a film, but uh, you know, 
Well, look, look, look you, you were more than happy to put Hamilton in, mate. You could have put Hamilton. No, 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 there's no, I don't want to put Hamilton. That's the thing. I think if, if I, my, my, my interpretation of it is neither American Utopia, neither Hamilton, neither any of the, what the National Theatre Live stuff that they put in cinemas are not films. So is Hamilton one show filmed? I, I no because there's on stage shots not, in, the same, in the in the same way that American Utopia there are on stage shots that couldn't be done with a live audience because the cameraman would be in the way in the way right yeah so it is there is you know they you know same for American Utopia same for Hamilton I guess there were probably filmed dress rehearsals where they could get some of the up close shots for for the edits yeah that they were to bring you in and I it does do that it does the same thing that Hamilton does of there are certain scenes where you go onto the stage and you're getting a lot more up close and personal with the characters on stage. And that definitely mm. does make it more cinematic. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But is there enough in there to really think that what I'm getting with this feels in entirely cinematic or am I just getting, you know, an extra 5% because of, you know, the proximity that the camera can get to in certain scenes. Yeah. That's for me. It's not. It, there wasn't enough in American Utopia to, for me to mm. make that really stand out as <clears throat> as truly fully cinematic. I thought you got ninety percent of what the stage show was, and maybe a little bit extra because of the editing and also the proximity of the cameras. But for me, that's not enough. It wasn't it wasn't film like for me. If there had been no audience. And Spike had got the camera doing all these crazy things that you just wouldn't be able to do it, being, present, it, being present in a, in a small packed theatre. I'd have been, okay, this is fantastic. You know, you would have, you know, that feels cinematic. But it, for, for me, for the vast majority of it, you're just getting what the paying customer was getting who actually sat in the front row uh, for, the, for that show. So therefore, for me, that line of it being a film doesn't exist, but you know it was shown at the BFI London Film Festival. So what do I? There you know? go, film. <laughs> it's a film. Nah. No, no, I think it's it's a good. It's it's definitely a blurred line. Um, but no, I appreciate I appreciate your comments. I will take them on board and ignore them. Right. <laughs> 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 okay. That's the end of part one. Join us again for part two as we each share our favourite film of 2020 as well as a few movies we're looking forward to in 2021. Thanks for listening.